Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. As reported by the defender, according to multiple black women who are running in the March primary, a new Texas law is being weaponized in Houston's judicial races where candidates Takasha Francis, Erica Hughes, and Amber Boyd Korak all overcame efforts to be removed from the ballot by their all white male competition. This goes back to a law. All right, we covered this. We have been on top of it since receiving the information. We have all three of those candidates on the program today. Let me first introduce you to the Honorable Erica R. Hughes running for judge. Also, Amber Boyd, Cora Esquire, candidate first district court of appeals position nine. And we will be bringing Takasha Francis Esquire in just a moment. Ladies, thank you for being on Indisputable. How are you? Nice. Good afternoon, Dr. Richie. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to see you again. Good to see you again as well. And here's what I would like to do, because this is our first time having Amber Boyd, Cora on the show. I want you to give us some insight into the plight of what's happening with this particular law, with the application of the law and the genesis of it. Where the hell did it even come from? Well, the genesis of this law, and we've been we've been calling it the Incumbent Protection Act. Um, we believe that this feud from the 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 ten women judges that in 2018 that were able to win, um, and therefore to protect. The bench further, uh, they decided to create this legislation that changed the application. Um, And so, therefore, anyone who is coming to challenge a seat now has to fill in these requirements where they state uh, their areas of how long they've practiced and uh, other subjective responses that are needed in order to be placed on the on the uh, application the ballot. And so. Right now, where it stands, it's hurting in many ways because it's protecting the incumbent and it's diminishing the ability or uh, or diminishing the ability or not allowing the um, not allowing a challenger to uh, have the confidence to even try to get on the ballot. So it's discouraging. That, that's yeah. basically what it's doing. So now. I recently uh, completed my JD. I recently finished law school. I don't know the all of the nuances in Texas, but I can tell you in Georgia it's pretty straightforward. Um, you got to have a bar license. Uh, you need to be active, uh, and there's a residency requirement in order to run for a particular position in the judiciary. These things are not very complex to meet the bar, um, so to speak. However, in Texas, this new law says, okay. There are these other prerequisites now that can somewhat be loosely interpreted. For example, if if it requires that you be active as a litigator, well, that can come in many forms. Being active as a litigator does not mean that you are an active trial attorney, et cetera. Is that correct? That's That's correct. correct. I think when I ran in 2018 with the Houston 19, the women that ran, Mm 
in fact, on the application, we didn't have to answer any of these questions. The application wow. has since changed um, after that. So I don't know if it was as a result of that, but it is a fact that the application is completely different from when I ran the first time mm-hmm. as to when I'm running this time, the change. Judge, we got to talk about that because I remember, I mean, it was such a beautiful picture. Um, I, I talked about it on my radio program. We celebrated it in the state of Georgia. For those who may not be aware of what you're talking about, give us some context to that particular election and what happened. So in 2018, we uh, used the hashtag Black Girl Magic, Houston 19. It was the largest amount of African American women that it ran at one time and won an election here in Houston, which is Harris County, where we all are running again. We took a photo. It went viral and it went national news. And again, in Texas and anywhere, it's the largest amount of African-American female women to win judicial benches. And they were all different benches, ranging from criminal to family to juvenile um, to civil benches. And so the law has changed since we won. Um, And Harris County is a Democratic county uh, for the last few cycles. Texas is a Republican state. Harris County has the largest population in the state. The theory is if Harris County goes blue, then Texas goes blue. Of course, it takes a little more work than that. But I believe that picture, Harris County voting blue, is scaring some people. You celebrated it, we celebrated it, but everybody is not in celebration. Amazing, it's fascinating that that they are even getting away with this. Let me pose this question and and either one of you can answer. Because typically, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, they have they have their legislative agenda under the dome at the Capitol in Texas during legislative session. And these particular bills are pre-filed. Sometimes they're filed in the midst of the session. But there's a there's an acknowledgement that this could possibly happen. When it was initially filed, I'm talking about these new rules. Did anybody see this coming? Did anybody say, wait a minute, this is going to do A, B, and C? Uh, in effect, or did it kind of blindside everyone and and conservatives kind of got one in? I think the legislature passed this law without really being a, a boot on the ground. They are mm-hmm. actually the person that has to fill out this application. They maybe didn't intend for it uh, to go to these measures, but I think they wanted to increase the requirements. Because again, when we ran in 2018, after the wins, everyone said, oh, the requirements are not uh, strenuous enough. We want to increase those. But that had been the requirements for the last 10 plus years. And until we won, nobody wanted to change the rule. Nobody wanted to move the needle. And so I just think that the anticipation of what would happen after they changed the law uh, was was not there. And, And they just wrote a bill to try to change the rules. Wow. So now you may see at the next legislate, I hope at the next session that someone changes this or corrects it uh, just to make it uh, clear on its face yeah. and not ambiguous. Because the Texas Supreme Court has been clear in their recent rulings about this law. And can you give us that uh, insight? And I'll come right to you. I just wonder what, what's the uh, clear cut Texas Supreme Court ruling on this law? is that democracy should prevail and that if anyone intends to be on the ballot and foul to be on the ballot, they should be allowed on and not uh, such strenuous rules. I think that's my interpretation of the Texas Supreme Court case. Oh, okay. The other attorney's president may have a different one, but that's, right. that's how I feel the Supreme Court right. has ruled. Ms. Boycor? 
Yeah, doctor. Um, one of the things that they've really been honing in on is the fact they're trying to create transparency uh, to educate the voters. And, and that's understandable, but there's a big difference in educating the voters and then suppressing someone to apply. And that's mm-hmm. the issue that's really halting our democracy. If you're going to educate the voters, then don't make it where you're trying to basically get someone off the ballot in order to uh, in order to eliminate the competition. And but on the end, I'm glad that the Supreme Court was able to overrule that and and kick that off. Therefore, democracy is moving. We just got to keep it moving, and we got to get out there and vote and make sure that these type of issues are not able to get away with. You get what I mean? So yeah, and and I've said this before because I've watched politics for so long. I'm the former. Um, political director and chief strategist of the Democratic Party for the state of Georgia some years back. And we could clearly see, uh, we call them incubator incubator bills, where uh, they would try this in Texas. They'll try it in Alabama. They would try it in Florida, try it in Georgia. And if it takes hold, you then see this massive uh, movement to do it in other states the very same way. You all have been successful at bringing enough attention, bringing enough awareness to this, that I think you have probably stopped it in its tracks. There's more work to do, but this kind of legislation is harmful to democracy, obviously. I agree with the Supreme Court and the interpretation. Ms. Boyd Corr, I'm going to go to attorney Takasha Francis, but before I do that, let me ask you, what were they saying was the reason that you should not be able to run for judge? Um, my my uh, description of my practice was uh, ambiguous. Um, I didn't specif- specify uh, what they said. I didn't clarify if I was board certified. Uh, a lot of things that were very vague. Uh, they mm-hmm. said my my response was vague. Um, I practice construction, real estate law, and uh, it, and it's it. I mean, it's. It's such a wide area that to put it in a little tiny paragraph, uh, I I just don't understand how that is being vague on what right. I practice. Uh, so that that was the the the, the ultimate um, viewpoint that they were trying to push. Uh, my experience wasn't what they felt or thought was good enough to be on the ballot. That's what I yeah. uh, I got from that. You you give legal advice? Do you give yes, legal I advice? Do. Every that's day. The, that's the practice of law, madam, according to the rules. That's the practice of law. All right. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm going to bring on attorney Takasha Francis on the other side of the break. I thank you for your continued fight. Obviously, we are with you every step of the way. Now, we have joining Judge Erica R. Hughes, is attorney and also candidate for judge of 152nd, 152nd District Court. Uh, Mr. Kasha Francis Esquire. Uh, thank you, Ms. Francis, for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Ritchie, for having me. Absolutely. Uh, tell us the plight that they have tried to launch against you in order to uh, allegedly disqualify you from running for judge. Well, picking up from your last segment, the uh, false aspersions that have been uh, given by my opponent is that I'm not eligible to run for judge because based on his subjective opinion, I have not practiced law the last eight years in accordance with the Texas Constitution. Uh, I have served as a director of a city department. 
For the last eight years, I've been the director of neighborhoods as of last Friday. It was my last day before I resigned to basically pursue this endeavor fully. Uh, I served as one of 23 department directors giving leadership to the city of Houston. And so uh, my opponent is saying that because I've served in that capacity, uh, that I have not practiced law. Now, when we fill out our applications based on the new law, we have to identify the work that we have done because that is all that the statute requires is for you to state your practice of law. It is not there to be interpreted. It is not there to be uh, weaponized and it is not there to be used by opponents or other individuals who will cast aspersions on their subjective definition. And as you mentioned before, Dr. Ritchie in Georgia, it's the same way here in Texas under the Texas government code, the practice of law is very liberally defined, not only in case law, but there as well. And under the Texas government code, the practice of law is defined as any action outside of a court that requires legal knowledge or skill, including giving legal guidance, as well as motion practice, appearing before judges. And the reason why this is important is because if anyone who is not a lawyer uh, actually executing these things, yep. they are actually falling under the unauthorized practice of law. So as the director of neighborhoods, I came in and one of the functions of my department was regulatory. I came at, out of private practice to move into transactional practice. And the American Bar Association did a poll, I believe it was in 2020, where they indicated that only 10% of lawyers actually litigate. So yep. I'm actually in a very elite group of lawyers. The 90% are actually doing transactional work. And so what I find amazing and almost comical in my opponent's argument is that you're a sitting judge. And by your own definition of the practice of law, you don't qualify. Isn't that something? See, that's is. the part I want to get to in just a moment. All yes. right. Before I get to that point, I, I want to open this up a little bit just, just to speak in, in, in more lamest terms. Sure. Uh, this is su such a liberal interpretation. Mm -hmm. That you can simply do something as I would say benign, yes, um, as giving legal advice to members of your family. You are in fact involved in the practice of law by yes. doing something that simple. Am I right? You're absolutely correct. And uh, I think it's very interesting because even right now, we are still in uh, active litigation based on his accusations. I think it's important to note that this was filed the first uh, part of January. January 4th, I believe, was when he filed. At this point, there is an affidavit on record from me. There is also an affidavit on record from uh, our 62nd mayor, who was my boss, and I was his direct report, basically affirming the practice of law I did in my official <laughs> role as director wow. of neighborhoods. And there are no witnesses from my opponent's side, no controverting evidence from my opponent's side, and no personal knowledge from my opponent of what I did every day as a director. So not only are we talking about a person who is casting aspersions on my eligibility in the arrogance of his subjective opinion, but this is defamatory because if you're going to say that what I've said is incorrect, then lawsuits that are actually, you know, lawsuits that can be argued and not frivolous have to be supported by evidence. And to this date, he has no evidence, no witnesses, nothing. This is simply a lawsuit that is being used to harass and intimidate and to cast doubt in the minds of voters regarding my qualifications so he can secure another uncontested win. Let me ask you this because my memory is, is 
kind of pushing some things to the forefront. Um, yes. Is this the case where the attorney said to a local reporter, this is not about qualification, this is about eligibility, or was that in another case? No, sir, you, your memory serves you well. That's exactly what his attorney said. And I could not understand his level of confusion in that moment because I don't see the difference. <laughs> right, he doesn't yeah. either. And, and um, I was just going to say, <laughs> right. and that is actually indicative of the, the lawsuit. It doesn't make sense because I think that, you know, in his quiet moments, and perhaps even my opponent as well, one of the things as lawyers we have to do is we don't just take cases because people want to or can pay for them. And I think that as we're looking at the women who are running for judges, we want to change the face of the judiciary. Frivolous lawsuits and people that actually file these lawsuits for fun because they have the time and the resources to keep someone in court. That is not what our justice system is for. It is not used to weaponize or basically litigate a campaign as opposed to actually running a campaign. And quite frankly, if we are as ineligible as you say we are, then this should be an easy win. But clearly, we are formidable. And this yeah. is the route that you want to take. And clearly, um, they scared. All right, let me go to Judge Hughes. This is the the irony, and, and I want I want to make sure this is pronounced clearly uh, to the audience. Uh, you were appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland as a U.S. immigration judge in 2021, and you have all of these other appointments, positions, the service that you have provided to this nation, uh, and this individual is is coming against this, or, or there's this pushback um, as to you simply running for another position. And the the reality is they don't have to say a word about their qualification at all. Explain this to me. And that goes back to the legislature not actually thinking out the bill that was written and how it would affect individuals running and judges. So when we win our election this time, technically, we shouldn't on the next application have to put our qualifications or what we do. But I imagine that by the time we run again for re-election, the rule would have changed again. So yeah. that would be 2028, where we run again for re-election. And the rule and the application will change at that point as well. Wow, it's, it's amazing. We're flat out of time. I just wanna make sure we have a call to action. What can people in Texas do? Uh, in order to make sure that there is fairness, that there is an equitable opportunity for democracy to reign supreme as the Texas Supreme Court has said it should. As yeah. you know, you saw the uh, press release you said for NAACP. You see the Texas Black Legislative Caucus there, Representative Jolanda uh, Jones, Representative Ron Green, also in support of this. I think that people, one, need to go vote. Uh, early vote is February 20th to March 1st. Election day is March 5th. Let your voice be heard. Let democracy ring loud and clear from the shores to the voting polls. Make your voice heard. Vote for who should win, who is qualified. And I believe that's women going forward. And so do that. And then talk to your legislature. They need to change this bill. They need to write a new bill uh, to overturn this bill. That's really simple to me. Um, that's what I have to add. And I, I would concur with Judge Hughes. The best way to deal with this, of course, spread this uh, broadcast to all your families and friends to bring attention to what's happening in Harris County. A lot of times we have our head in the sand and people rely on our apathy 
or not knowing what's happening. So spread this broadcast to get yeah. the word out. Second and most importantly, vote. Vote all the way down ballot. Judges are down ballot. This is not the same as before where you actually had, you know, the uh, the easier way to kind of just check Democrat. No, you've got to go vote all the way down ballot and make sure that you vote. That's the only way that you send a message about what you will put up with and what you won't. Not just in this election, but every election, every time. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Put up the NAACP Houston again. I want to make sure everyone is aware. Um, so on Thursday, February 15th, 4 p.m., NAACP branch headquarters, 2002 Willow Street, Houston, Texas. Uh, they're going to address this. Uh, this is a rally point. I encourage you, make it. If you can make it, be there, all right? This is about your determination as a voter. Damn the politics of it. You may not always agree with the legislative standard of, of progressives or Democrats, left-leaning, etc. That doesn't matter. If you say nothing when they're knocking on your neighbor's door, there's nobody there to say something when they're knocking on yours. This is an assault on democracy, which is your determination to elect your leaders, period. Ladies, thank you so much for your continued fight, all right? We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Dr. Richie. Thank, thank you, you, Dr. Richie. We look forward to talking to you after March 5th. when the Absolutely. When the- with all y'all, that's right. All right, looking forward to it as well. Thank Thank you.